Markets with Sean Hackett. This edition of the Moving Iron Podcast is brought to you by Dawson Tire and Wheel, the premier ag tire and wheel provider in North America, helping people grow. Sean, um, it is a Monday morning here, and it is President's Day, and it's one of those days that the markets close on, and so not a lot of action is going to be taking place in the markets, but with all the stuff we've seen happen this last week, uh, that interday volatility and day-over-day volatility is... Uh, has been uh, kind of seemed like it's almost even ramped up a little bit from what it was even the week before. Volatility is good. You know, we need volatility to happen so we can move markets one way or the other and and uh, help help the uh, money flow through the uh, through the system. But man, sometimes this uh, what we're seeing here is uh, is probably a little bit on the extreme side. And you made a, a comment, uh, I think a podcast or two ago that we did together, that the uh, algorithms just don't have a uh, have a feel for the coronavirus built into them. So I guess. I guess talk about what you see happening there. I mean, the Chinese have, have made it very clear that nothing to see here. Keep moving along. Things are great. You know, we've quarantined two cities the size of uh, of New York, but, hey, things are good. Don't worry about it. No problem here. But it seems like this this whole coronavirus thing is not, not just with the China phase one thing that we kind of see kind of fluctuating that's up in the air. There might be a little more to that, a little hype to that just to help the, the news cycle, but there could be some truth to that because there are clauses built into that that say, hey, if some extenu- extenuating circumstance comes up, we can forego or delay or, you know, there's all kinds of different words thrown into that, into that mix. So, um, man, I, t- I guess uh, talk about the, the coronavirus and, and what you see happening there. We're starting to see it pop up in other parts of the world, too. So what, what are your thoughts on that and, and how is it, how's that affecting what we see happening in the market? Well, all the activity that numbers that we see, whether it's rail car uh, loadings, whether it's um, transportation, whether it's power consumption, everything is is shut down uh, in China. And and so the economic impact right now, short term, is severe. The real estate transactions have come to a screeching halt there. I mean, it's, it's a really really nasty demand-side shock in the short run. There's no question about that. The Chinese can say all they want about a lot of things, but there's it's a demand-side shock, and what the market is trying to determine is this just a short-term shock that is going to uh, you know, be a couple of months, three months, and then, and then we're going to lead back into a, uh, a normal or even an above-normal activity as this pent-up demand comes back in um, and, 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 and everything is fine. And, and so far, the market is trying to take the track that this demand side shock is short term. But obviously, you know, until we actually start seeing some of this activity in China improve, it's still a, we think it's going to happen, but it hasn't happened yet. And, you know, what can you trust coming from the Chinese or not from the Chinese about what's really going on there? And so that's why a lot of this volatility uh, is, is what we're seeing. And as we discussed, these algorithms don't know how to model this. They can't go back, you know, and say, well, 
you know, this is what normally, you know, they, they just don't have that in there and they might figure it out, but they're still uncertain about what to do with it all. And so on top of this, think of it, Casey, I, the way I look at it, it's a, it's a bucket of water and the coronavirus put a hole in the bucket of water and the water's falling out and that's the loss of economic activity. Central banks are pushing money into the system. That's water coming back into the bucket so it doesn't empty out. And so we're in this, you know, is money printing good? Is it bad? Is, is the, is, is the economic, ec, lost economic activity bad? Is it, is it not too, you know, and so we're, vas, we're vacillating trying to determine who's going to win out here. And we're just, we're not far along enough in the process. And so in the meantime, we're going to see, you know, kind of a hodgepodge here with markets until we can get a little clear picture. I think, you know, as we get closer to, you know, mid-March, late March, I think things will start to clear up. Uh, we talked about how viruses tend to have a two to three month up and down phase and they go away. Plus, what's the flu? It's a, what's flu season? Winter time. Cold, dark air enhances flu virus. Warm, sunny air hurts flu virus. And so if you look at a chart of, the, of temperature and sunlight against how long the virus can sustain itself outside the host, it falls off exponentially. And so, so over time, we expect this is going to go away and this lost economic activity is going to improve, but we're, we're not seeing those clear signs yet. So in the meantime... The market is doing what you just said. It's it's kind of all over the place because it's not sure exactly what to do yet. Right. All right. So one of the one of the things about this phase one deal that have, that have been waiting with uh, um, bated breath here is, is is the hog market. So you take a look and see what's happening there and, and all the fun stuff we see going on that in that range. I mean, they've had limit up days, they've had limit down days, and they've had everything in between um, in the last couple of weeks. <clears throat> Couple articles coming out of China um, about how they've had to dip into the uh, into, into their strategic reserves of, of frozen uh, pork, box beef, and those kind of th- or box pork anyway, um, and what that looks like um, into some of these strict uh, coronavirus stricken areas, and and basically what they're saying is you know we don't have enough. Um, processed pork ready to go and we're not bringing anything in like we should be as fast as we can because what we see happening here um, it really feels like the hog market is one of those markets that's just poised to just take off going and, and start roaring but it's just it gets you know hurry up and wait hurry up and wait hurry up and wait what you what do you see happening in the hog market and and what are you some of the reactions you're hearing to some of the people you talk with well, remember, hog prices are almost making new all-time highs as we speak. Right. Domestically, despite all of this. Right. Hog price, and that's telling you they just don't have any. So whatever it is that they, they, they are going to do, um, and by the way, it's not just hog prices. Other food items, uh, food prices, vegetable prices are surging uh, uh, because they found uh, some bird flu, the chicken prices, are, everything's surging. They have a massive food inflation. And so... Whatever it is that they can or cannot do, they're going to have to bring some food in. They're going to have to bring some meat protein, and they're going to have to bring it in. Um, and so uh, when we look at the chart of, let's just take uh, June hog prices, we broke through in a really important low that we had set last year, uh, took out all those sell stops, and then we had that limit update, if you recall, where we surged back up and we closed back above. 78,375 is the exact number of that broken support that we then closed back above. That's what we call 
the breakdown failure, reversal, higher technical buy signal. Those are really, really powerful signals. That says to us that the hog market has already made the loan. And now we are in the process of developing a V-bottom or a, you know, a counter trade to the, to the crash that we had going into this coronavirus scare. So I think we think it's one of the few markets that's going to see um, early demand and early rise. It should be an early riser when other markets may may still struggle. You know, maybe the Chinese hold off buying copper for a while, but they got to bring the meat in, Casey. They just can't keep having these escalating food prices. And you know, we're already hearing there's unrest in the streets. Just people starting to, you know, get nasty. Mm-hmm. Um, and and you know. You know the chart of dynasties falling in oh, China yeah. and food scarcity. It, it, it's they really got to be careful. So I I think of anything else, the hog market, the, the meat market. I mean, look at the cattle market on Friday had this significant rebound when uh, some of the tariffs were removed. Uh, you know, I, I think the meat protein part of the market is going to see a big move early than everything else because it just has to. They have to buy it. They got to figure out a way. Pay people five times their annual pay to work the. To work at the uh, the yards to bring you know, the shipping ports to bring the stuff in, but they got to bring it in, Casey. So we're really optimistic. And by the way, our smart money capital flows that we measure, we look at, have been really, really coming into the livestock sector pretty significantly. Not so much everywhere else, but they've really been coming in to cattle and hogs. And so we really think there's an opportunity there for that part of the market to be a first mover advantage, and maybe maybe the hog the, the cattle market rebounding and surging on Friday is, is kind of the, the warning sign. And the hog market having that V, that v bottom from a week ago or two weeks ago, maybe those are the signals that we're about to see some better improving prices for that part of the market right now. So we're pretty optimistic. That's a place to be looking at some outsized gains here. Yep. Okay. Yeah, it didn't take very long for people to uh, get used to something when that gets taken away from them or, or it's uh, <laughs> not readily available or price or whatever else. They seem to get kind of pissed off pretty quick. So, yeah, it's a... Uh, yeah, there's been a lot of lot of talk outside of of Hong Kong going and everyone going crazy. So it's it's a it's a mess over there. They've got a lot of issues to deal with, and uh, hopefully we are on the uh, the uh, upside of this of their uh, of their demand here it's coming up pretty quick. The other thing I want to talk about now is wheat. It seems like wheat has uh, really been a, a leader in the market when you start looking at overall pricing and what you see happening with demand and those kind of things. There's some there's some reports coming out of of France and Europe, when you start looking at that, their uh, their soft red wheat um, uh, harvest or planting and what they have going on there, and there's not necessarily the the quality that they've seen in the past, and it has to do with their with their winter that they've had so far. So, talk about the wheat market. What you see happening there? Well, what we have to remember about wheat is it's by far the most global grain market. Mm-hmm. I mean, look, soybeans is U.S. and South America. Who cares about the rest of the world? Right. Corn, it's really <laughs> South America and the U.S. Who cares about the rest of the world? Uh, but in wheat, boy, it's, it's Russia, it's Ukraine, it's Europe, it's the U.S. I mean, it is a global, global grown, uh, you know, grain market. And so one of the things uh, that we always say about the wheat market, if, 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 you don't, if there's too much supply, just wait a few months there'll be bad weather somewhere. Right. If, if, if things are really bad, just wait a few months because it'll get better somewhere because it's grown so many different places. And so, you know, we, we have this yin and yang and we, but we, we, because it's such an international market, uh, currency is extremely important. And we know that the dollars had a big surge here because 
of this slowdown in Asia relative to the U.S. And capital has been kind of being forced into the dollar. And so the dollar has been really, really strong. And, and, and that really, really hurts the wheat market on a short-term basis because it's so global in nature that if you do that, it, it just it, it changes the translational value of the international export price to what the U.S. price needs to be to be competitive. And so that being said, uh, we see a lot of problems over the spring as we come out of dormancy, not only here but in Europe and elsewhere, because we've had some very unfavorable weather. Um, and, and the quality and the conditioning going into the uh, post-dormancy season is going to be pretty poor. And so if we have any adverse weather, which we think we're going to have certainly here in the U.S., it could set off a second round of buying once this corrective phase is over. So we're pretty optimistic that wheat is going to form a low here pretty soon because the fundamentals still remain positive to us um, as we move into the springtime. But the currency really knocked this market down, we think, uh, disproportionately to, uh, to maybe other ag markets that are more, uh, you know, two country focused versus the wheat market at this point. Plus, don't forget, you know, Australia got a bunch of rain, actually drought busting rains. And so, you know, you got to feed the you got to feed the bull, right, Casey? You got to right. keep feeding it, and if you lose some of that meat, the speculators just start to sell, and then they sell, and then it goes down. They sell some more, and we've been seeing some pretty significant speculative liquidation uh, for a whole host of reasons. But certainly, Australia having drought busting rains has certainly added to the bearish selling going on in recent days. Yeah. So, all right, let's just bounce over and talk about sugar for a minute. It is a, uh, it's the sleeping giant, man. I swear we've we've talked about it several times on here, and it, it I, I think if you're not talking about corn, soybeans, or wheat, and or, or or beef or pork in the U.S., you're not going to get much coverage. And obviously, that's what's happening with sugar because it's just not no one's talking about it, and it's probably one of the one of the biggest marketplaces out there that that is that is really poised to take off if you really start looking at what you see happening around the world with, with supply and 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 it's, it's like a perfect storm almost where every key growing area of sugar whether it's sugar cane or sugar beets had some kind of significant struggle this year and whether it was too wet too dry early frost whatever it was there was there was some pretty strategic areas that got slammed pretty hard and not only is the world supply down but the overall u.s supply which the u.s never goes outside of its own little bread basket here to go to go uh, find something else to to go shopping for sugar anywhere else and now they're going to have to do that on, on a significant scale um but you don't hear anything about it so i guess talk about the sugar market and what you see happening there it is a perfect storm uh, last year's india sugar production down 20 percent uh, the Thailand uh, sugar production due to drought down, is down to 7 million metric tons versus 13 a year ago. And they're a, I mean, they export most of it. I mean, it's almost all exported. It's a huge loss. The U.S., as you just said, we had this frost and sugar be there. It was just a disaster. We got to actually go out to the market and buy it, which we almost never, ever do. Um, so, so we have a massive shortage. In fact, despite all the coronavirus and the concerns, you know, the sugar market has continued to remain near the highs. Mm-hmm. It, you know, it's one of the few markets that has not really gotten hit that much. Um, and we think probably justifiably so. But, so with that, what, is it, what does that mean? It means that we are now in a spot where we are really, really tight. And we really have to have better crops coming up here this summer. And what we would really be focusing on, Casey, is this um, desert locust problem that's been going on in East Africa that's now... Uh, I think Pakistan just announced a state of emergency because of the desert uh, locust infestation there. 
and we did some research on India, which is a, a really, really key sugar producer, and found that if this desert locust infestates the key sugar areas of the central North India in the month of May, they could have a catastrophic sugar crop. Um, this has happened before. Um, and if people don't remember, you know, sugar saw 60 cents in the 70s. It saw, you know, 40, you know, 45, 50 cents later in the 70s. So sugar market can really do something crazy when it gets going. Um, and, and so what we would say is that if India has this problem with desert locusts, if the India-Pakistan infestation moves into India and they are not going to have a, a good sugar crop come the summer, we could see something like we haven't seen since the 1970s. So we are watching the month of May. We're not that far away, and, we, and, and there's, people measure this stuff, and we can get a good handle on it. But if the month of May shows that they are getting this like Pakistan and East Africa, it, you know, this could be you know, one of the bold stories of, of, you know, of folklore. You know, it really right. could be because we're set up for that. So, so we would really watch month of May, Desert locust, it could set off uh, the craziest bull markets since the 1970s if it happens. And so that, that's so, so the, the answer to your question is we want to be buying breaks in sugar. Let's put it that way. We want to be buying breaks in sugar. Any weakness we happen to get because of coronavirus, seasonal weakness, uh, which we tend to see in the spring, we want to be buying sugar because we think that we have not seen the end of the upside here just yet. Yeah. Yeah, there's a uh, there's a ton of that going on in you know in the areas where, like where I'm out here where sugar beets are a big deal. There's a uh, a significant uh, rally cry, I guess, to kind of get things going back the way they were. Um, you know, we've had some issues with a number of things here of late. The last three or four years have been a struggle, not necessarily crop related, but there's been some production issues and those kind of things. But long, long story short, the uh, the sugar market could could really rebound nicely and, and put some some money in some into some key areas that are not necessarily affected by this stuff. So there could be a perfect storm coming our way with uh, cattle producers and hog producers and, and corn and soybean producers. You know, we start looking at if the phase one thing starts to take off, it's supposed to do what it's supposed to do because was it Saturday, right, Saturday night at midnight or something was when it was supposed to take place, phase one? Yes. Is that yes. right? Yeah. So, yeah, we'll see. The uh, Thursday export reports are going to be a, a big deal, big swing in the marketplace, depending on what happens. I, th- you know, I, th- I think the market's going to be looking for some at least some initial signs of where, mm-hmm. you know, where are they really at? You know, yeah. What are they willing to do? I mean, we'll find out. Yes, we'll find we will. Out. We will find out for sure. So, Sean, good stuff as usual. Folks want to reach out to you and pick your brand or just get some information about what uh, Hackett Financial does. What's the best place to do that? Our website is Hackett, H-A-C-K-E-T-T, advisors.com. Front page is filled with information. See if your listeners find what we do of value to them. Right on. Make sure you check out that stuff. There's tons of reports on there that have just really good, deep analysis about what's going on out there. And uh, Sean is gracious enough to send me uh, to send me those reports, and I I get to sound smart when he comes on and and uh, talk. We talk about this stuff. So thanks, thanks, Sean, for making me a little bit smarter every day. All right. Well, I'm Casey Seymour with Moving Iron Podcast. Make sure you check my uh, social media out at movingironllc.com. Um, on, that's my website. Also, check out uh, Moving Iron LLC on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Check out the Global Ag Network and all the great network uh, providers out there. And uh, 
Make sure you check out Sean's website. Also check out uh, Dawson Tire and Will. Uh, they're gracious enough to be a sponsor for this podcast, and uh, they have a lot of great information for all the all the folks out there when it comes to tires and wheels for ag stuff. They're uh, they specialize in that, and uh, they don't they don't sell car tires or truck tires or anything like that. Just straight up ag tires, and so they're experts in their field. So make sure you check out what they've got going on there. So until next time, I'm Casey Seaman with Sean Hackett. Let's go move some iron, folks. Out. In the 21st century Hardworking people Working hard for you and me Moving higher Time and time again Through the years you'll find us here